0: Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to build relationships, earn trust, land the deal, and change lives to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I'm so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. On today's episode, I have a very special guest to introduce you to, and you have heard his name multiple times on this podcast, and that is John Stange. Now, John is a wonderful friend of mine, and he just released the amazing book called Dwell on These Things. And John is also a speaker, podcaster, and is the lead pastor of Core Creek Community Church in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Now, one of my favorite things about John is that we are part of the Total Life Freedom community together. And out of all these hundreds of people all over the country that would be in this community, two people that went to the same university ended up meeting at a retreat this past fall in Pittsburgh. So John and I both went to Cairn University, where he is also an adjunct professor, and I have no idea how he does all the things he does or how he has any spare time, along with hosting three podcasts, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible, Daily Devotions with Pastor John, and Dwell on These Things. He also just wrote this book by the same title, Dwell on These Things, which was released on May 25th and is now for sale in bookstores all over the country, and you can find it at your local bookstore or Barnes & Noble. And so, John, thank you so much for joining the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you here. And I never thought that of all the people I would have on my real estate podcast first, that you would be my first podcast guest. But as I really processed you releasing this book and what the book is about and how much I have really learned from you and the book, and talking about it I thought it would be a great conversation to have and share with realtors out there because so many of them are struggling and so many of them need to stop with the negative self-talk and really speak to themselves as God speaks to them which is what the book is about. And so I think your book is an amazing resource to help realtors and other entrepreneurs in their business. So I'd love for you to just kind of give us a brief introduction, tell us more about the book. Well, the the book came out of the fact that in many respects I
1: find that I'm teaching and I'm preaching and I'm communicating and I'm trying to be helpful and encouraging to other people. But it was kind of ironic. I noticed that in many respects, I wasn't doing myself the same favor. And over time, I, it became clear to me that I really needed to change the way I was speaking to my own heart. And I needed to bring it more in line with the message that I'm willing to preach from a pulpit. If I'm not willing to preach it from a pulpit, I certainly shouldn't be preaching it at my own heart. And in time, as my faith grew and as my experience grew, I discovered just how helpful it was to make sure that you're reinforcing true messages to yourself. And uh, I became motivated to share that with others. And so, like you mentioned, the book's called Dwell on These Things. That comes from a Bible verse, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, talks about the things that it's healthy and, and wise for our minds to dwell on. We tend to dwell on a lot of negative things rather easily. It's almost like our default state in many respects. And uh, the subtitle of the book, again, like you mentioned, is that it's a 31-day challenge to talk to yourself the way God talks to you. So it's broken down into 31 sections and really just illustrates from some of my life experiences and some of the things that we find in Scripture ways in which we can transform or change that internal dialogue and bring it more in line with the truth so that we don't end up needlessly discouraging ourselves while we're in the midst
0: of doing challenging things. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so, again, I'm so thankful for the book as I've kind of dove into it. It's really, it's taking scripture, speaking it to ourselves, and then kind of changing, you know, transforming how we think about ourselves. I think so many of us kind of have that self-doubt. You know, we're in a mastermind together. And I think so many of us, when we get on those calls, the first thing we do is kind of say like, you know, today we kind of were talking about what are our five-year plans? And I think everybody kind of went around the room or went around on the call and said, well, I know this is ridiculous. And I think it's so interesting because even in our business as entrepreneurs or whatever we're doing, but also in our faith, It's so easy to kind of stop ourselves and say, like, no, I can't do that on the entrepreneurial side. And even like, no, God doesn't love me that much or I'm not that worthy. And so why do you believe that so many of us have a habit of dwelling on the negativity and letting it shape how we view ourselves? I think a big part
1: of it is the sources of information that we're used to receiving and the nature of many of the relationships that we have. So when you look around at, at media or, you know, whether it be social media or whether it be the news, it's full of so much negativity, whether it be negative comments or negative news. And we grow so accustomed to that, that our internal dialogue tends to reflect that because we're feeding ourselves a steady diet of downers, you know, just like things that are really bringing us down and discouraging us and crushing our spirit. And I, I look at that and I think, It'd be nice if we switched that up. But then I also think about the fact that so many of our relationships in day-to-day life tend to be very conditional in nature. So there are a lot of people in my life that seem to like me as long as I do something for them or they can perceive some direct benefit that they receive from the relationship. And because I offer something to them or do something for them, the relationship stays intact. But if I ever go through a season where, for whatever reason, I'm not able to offer that, which in life we tend to have, especially if you're in a position of leadership or influence of any kind, you start to really question whether or not you have intrinsic value because you get used to people treating you in a very conditional way. And uh, I know I went through a season some years ago where I was really wrestling with that. And I thought, boy, I don't have too many unconditional relationships. At least at the time, it didn't feel like I had very many. And I've really had to wrestle with that. And so, Over time, what I've learned is that it really matters the diet that you feed your mind as far as the news that you listen to and what you're, you know, what's going into your mind, what's going into your heart, but it also matters whose voices you're listening to. And so that's why I subtitled the book, Talk to, you know, a 31-Day Challenge to Talk to Yourself Like God Talks to You, because I think that's a practice. We need to develop. We need to understand how he actually sees us based on what he's revealed in his word, and then put into practice the kind of attitudes and actions that we see him
0: demonstrating
1: toward us.
0: That's awesome, man. I love what you are saying about changing how we talk to ourselves and how we speak to ourselves and speaking to ourselves as God speaks to us. As a realtor and entrepreneur, I know that even as my business grows, and even you know, in all these various businesses where people are entrepreneurs or other realtors, I know that even as I become more successful, I can doubt myself and say, oh, there's so many other realtors or people that are better than me. I did some research this morning and in my county, there are actually 1,385 realtors. Oh wow. And so I think this message is so relevant because again, even in my county, there's over a thousand realtors all who are in some way or another competing against another person. And so that's why I really wanted to have you on this call in the podcast, because, you know, with what I'm building, real estate, podcast, membership, coaching, I can easily get stressed out and say I'm not good enough. And with the things you're building that we kind of talked about in the intro, how do you deal with the stress and being overwhelmed? And how has talking to yourself the way God talks to you helped you balance all of those things in your life? I think the biggest thing that helps me to not
1: become overwhelmed with stress, and by the way, there have been plenty of seasons where I have become overwhelmed with stress. So what I'm learning, I'm in the process of learning this and putting this into practice. But when I learned that when I try to do things alone, that's when I feel the most stressed. And I, there's a lot of things, you know, you understand this as an entrepreneur and the entrepreneurial things that I'm involved in, many of them are things that I do alone. And so the more you do alone, the more stressed you feel because you feel like you don't have support structures. You feel like everything comes down to you. You feel like you are the single point of failure for whatever you're trying to build. And uh, I have learned along the way with everything I'm trying to lead. So I lead a local church. I lead a mission board. I have entrepreneurial things that I'm doing and been learning to value having a team more more. And I've discovered that if I have people that can help share the load, that is something that makes a huge difference. And then the spirit recognizes this isn't necessarily a spiritual show. So I hope your listeners won't mind me taking things in that direction from time to time, but I'll try and be moderate with that, John. I I won't go too crazy with that. But I know for me, from the spiritual standpoint, One of the reasons why I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to pray is that I can come before the Lord and unload the burden that I've been trying to carry myself and ask him, can you help carry this? Or can you just straight up just carry it for me because I can't carry this thing? And so when I even realize that, okay, he's blessed me with people that can help share a load. And he himself has told me in his word that he is eager to carry a load for me that I can't carry. When I preach those things to my heart, I feel much less anxious because I'm not trying to do something in a solo way that
0: really wasn't meant to be done solo. Yeah, I love that answer. And it's so true. I mean, as an entrepreneur, we talk about this in TLF and in our mastermind, it's so easy to feel like you are alone And you're the only one there. But kind of, you know, for myself as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, like I have to also remember, like he's like not only given me the opportunities for my business to grow, but like he's with me. It's not like he's like, okay, here now you're a realtor, go and do it. And then he just kind of walks away like he's there with me. And I think that that is an amazing truth to just remember in my business and remember in like what we're building again, like and failure and success isn't necessarily okay did my business make any money like again and i think that's why the book is so amazing like talking to myself how god talks to me god doesn't say like oh yeah well how much money did you make this month (laughs) how much did you build this month how much those kinds of things i think what you know from reading the bible like what god wants to see me do is love people love jesus serve them. And like, it's not about a paycheck. And I think, you know, I've learned in my real estate career that it's it's about serving people. And if you can serve people, the business, you know, it's kind of like if you build it, they will come if you can serve people and love them. Yeah, they're going to trust you to buy or sell a house. But I absolutely love that. and I hope my listeners kind of realize, hey, look, there's going to be disasters today. But like God's not, you know, God didn't walk away. And I feel like sometimes entrepreneurs, Christian entrepreneurs, especially like, well, I'll be building something and do it and kind of think like, oh, well, if it failed, he wasn't with me. Well, no, he, he guides you through all that. And every single one of those things is a lesson. And in our business, how have you kind of seen, how have you seen those lessons either in your church, in your podcast, in your writing, those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that just like anybody that really celebrates a quick win But what you realize over the course of your life is that not every win is going to be a quick win. So I've been pastoring uh, for 24 years now. And I remember my first few years being at a spot where the church that I was serving wasn't growing. And it had been in decline before I had started pastoring there. So it's not like I came and started leading there and then everything was just tanking. It just was continuing its slow decline. And I remember year one went by and the church declined a little bit more. And I thought, oh, well, that's disappointing. And then year two happened and same thing. And I remember actually sitting in my office the one day and kind of grieving over this and, and saying to myself, I always thought that I would help churches grow. I, just, I didn't anticipate that there'd be these years where I, I thought, what do you have to do to make a church grow? How do you reach people? I, I remember really wrestling with that. Now, thankfully, years three and beyond, it did grow, but I wanted the quick win. And what I've discovered is the people that actually get ahead in life are those that persevere. And I think those low moments were moments where the Lord was teaching me that I could depend on him and that it's really not healthy for me to think that a church or anything I'm leading solely comes down to me because it really doesn't. And so in that context, I think the lesson he wanted me to learn was I can trust him to do what he said he's going to do. I can trust him to help me in the midst of moments like this. And I don't have to be somebody that goes through life thinking that everything comes down to me because that's really an unhealthy spot to put your mind in. So so yeah, I've learned that if something's really going to work, it's going to work with those that are patient and persistent at the same time. And uh, I think there needs to be a huge element of faith in that as well. So I try and direct that heavenward, asking the Lord for his intervention. And uh, he
0: hasn't failed me, and I don't think he ever will. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really, I really appreciate that and appreciate that perspective. And I think, again, in this business, you need to have a perspective, you know, even not in a Christian or church setting, like you still need to do those things, talk to yourself, have, you know, let God speak to you in a way that he, you know, that is affirming. I know you have a lot that you're building and doing. You know, I often joke with you. I remember the first time I met you, I said, when do you sleep? And I learned that you really don't. But um, in the business of, you know, for my listeners, in the business of being a realtor, entrepreneur, it can be so hard to have balance. I know in my life, for the lives of my listeners, how have you learned balance in your life with how busy you are and what does balance and margin look like for you? And even further than that, how does how you let God speak to you, you know, as we're talking about with dwell on these things, how does that impact what balance and margin look like in your life?
1: I know for me, what I've discovered is that if something gets on my calendar, it happens. If it doesn't get on my calendar, it just remains a theory. And so when my wife and I were newly married, one of the things we were terrible about was taking time off. The two of us are, I think, hardworking people, and we both value effort and we both value work. And so we weren't taking vacation time, really. We weren't taking time off. It just, we'd go through a year and and just not really do it. And then I started getting to a spot where I was really burning out. I was really starting to feel really fried. And I didn't understand what I was experiencing. And I finally got to a spot where I said to my wife, I said, Andrea, I want to take a vacation. And she said, that's nice. And in her mind, she's thinking this is just a theory. I said, no, I'd I'd really just like to drive us. And and at that point, we had uh, four kids. I said, I'd love to just drive us to Florida. And she said, "Okay." And she said, well, that sounds great. Let's do it. But she told me afterwards she didn't think I'd actually do it because up to that point, I hadn't been doing that. I reserved a hotel in Florida. We live in Pennsylvania, so that's a long drive. It usually takes most people two days of driving. And so I uh, reserved the hotel and she said, wait, you paid for a hotel in Florida? And I said, yeah. And her comment was, well, if you paid for it, apparently it's actually happening. And we won't went there and it was extremely refreshing and extremely encouraging. And uh, I just enjoyed it so much. And I said to her while we were there, I said, you know, so this is why people take vacations. (laughs) And I got so much clarity on my thinking and, and clarity on all sorts of stuff like that. And we decided, all right, this needs to be part of our yearly routine. Well, fast forward a group of years, we've decided every quarter to take some sort of a vacation. So that gets into our calendar. And then on a weekly basis, I take Mondays almost completely off. And so when people try and reach me on Mondays, I usually try and make myself hard to reach because I just want to relax. And I also tend to take Saturdays either all the way off or mostly off. I take Mondays off for me and Saturdays off for our family. And then on Friday nights, my wife and I consistently, we always go out. And uh, that's date night. And so having a few spots blocked off per week for that margin, like you said, or some time off, and then having quarterly vacations planned out really helps accomplish that for us. But for us, it's a matter of putting that, those things on the calendar, because if they're on the calendar, they happen. And uh, it's also nice because when they're on the calendar, you have them to look forward to. And when I'm in those spots, those time off moments, that's when I get a lot of clarity in my thinking and uh, really feel like I'm able to discern the Lord's will with more clarity, because a lot of my other distractions and responsibilities are set aside.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I am jealous. My, I think my listeners know I'm in a season with uh, two kids under two. So yeah. we've got a little bit of time before we can do the, you know, weekly or even monthly, but it's definitely something to look forward to and motivate myself and say like, well, let's work hard so that we can, you know, build this life where we can kind of take a break. And I, I love what you're saying about kind of that Saturday and Monday and not answering your phone because that actually goes right into my next question. We often talk about in our mastermind and in TLF, we talk about like just different things and what to say no to, what to say yes to, how to how to know. For me and for my listeners, it's super hard to say no in real estate because it can kind of feel like we're losing a deal. Like I've, I got anxiety even thinking about not answering my phone on a Monday. So that's, mm. that's not an option, but that's, you know, How do you say no and when do you say no in your life, career, opportunities? Like, you know, I know with the book, a lot of people say like, hey, I'd love to speak to you. How do you how do you decide like what to say yes to and what to say no to in in what you're doing?
1: I think, well, I have to admit, first of all, that everything I'm saying yes to is an automatic no to something else. So if I'm saying yes to something, that means something else cannot be in that block. So even your yeses are no's when you think about it. So it's just a matter of is this something that aligns with the mission that I'm on? Is this something that aligns with what will benefit my family and what will benefit uh, me personally, or is this you know is this something that I feel like I'm supposed to do because it's directly going to benefit somebody else? I'm okay with all of those options, and so but I do try, and I've gotten a lot better at what I say yes to and what I say no to. Uh, Just through experience. For instance, I was invited on four podcasts this week. I accepted two and I rejected two. And the two that I rejected were really just trying to have, you know, they might call it a discussion, but I discovered that it was podcasts that were more along the lines of debate. And I thought, wow, that sounds like a terrible way to spend an hour. (laughs) I I just thought, oh boy, that'd drive me nuts. I I thought, no, there's no way I'm saying yes to a podcast where it's just going to be like argumentation for an hour. I thought, no way. I would rather do nothing than do that. And so I said no. And then I got another request from another podcast that was very much like that. So there were two podcast requests I got this week that I thought, no, nah, those are automatic no's because I don't feel like I, I want to spend my time and my mental energy engaged in fruitless debates with people. It just didn't appeal to me. And so that was a no. And so. I'm getting more discerning on on some of those things there. And so I think you just have to choose what you're saying yes and no to because every yes is a no to something else. And sometimes we say yes to so many things and then our families suffer or our own well being or health suffers. And I knew for me that those interviews, if I accepted those, were going to be emotionally draining and put me in a spot that I didn't really wanna be in. And I couldn't see any sort of major benefit to anybody else because I don't really think people I don't know if you're anything like me. I don't really like listening to people argue or debate. It just doesn't appeal to me. And so I thought, you know what? That's not for me. That might be for somebody else, but it's not for me. And I think I'm at a season of life right now where I kind of realize those patterns. You know, is this for me? Does this fit with what I'm supposed to do? And if not, it's okay to say no. It's not like every opportunity that comes your way is going to be the only opportunity that ever comes your way. I love
0: that, man. And I love that, man, that piece about does it align with my mission and my values? I think all of us can apply that. I have to think about, you know, and sometimes there's even clients in real estate. And again, client equals, you know, your only income. But I think there's certain times where you're like, this is just going to be a lot of work for not enough money. And they're just going to drain me. And I can't like, I have to take care of my mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health, all those different things. So I love that. And I appreciate you for sharing that. Before we kind of close out, I do have a couple questions from some listeners or realtors. And so I'd like to jump into those. And so I want to share a question from Spencer. So Spencer, I kind of asked what people would like to hear about, told them about the book. Spencer said, I think the hardest thing for me as a newer agent is comparison. I compare Mm -hmm. myself to other agents and I ask myself, well, why haven't I closed my first transaction like them? We got licensed at the first time. And then they said, so it's a mixture of self-doubt and comparing myself to others. That is my worst enemy. And so your reply to Spencer, you know, I, I know, again, the answer is really how God talks to you. That's what the book is about. But like, what would you say to someone that just feels like they're always kind of playing that comparison game?
1: I think we really need to get to a spot where we're content with who we are and the journey that we're on, because it's different for all of us. And I do believe in God's sovereign planning and that he works all things together uh, for the good of those who love him. And I believe, so put it this way, the person you're comparing yourself to was not born at the same exact minute that you were born. They were born a different minute. They've had a different set of experiences leading to where they are right now than you have had. So there are very obvious ways you could look at very quickly and say, okay, their journey is not exactly the same as my journey. So why am I comparing this benchmark to that person? They are on a similar journey, but they are not on the exact same journey. So I need to stop torturing myself with that. I could do that as an author all I want. I could look at other people. Amazon will show you somebody's book rank and Amazon will show you how many reviews a person got. And if people think authors don't look at that stuff, they definitely look at that stuff. And I look at that and I could look at that in a healthy way and I could look at that in an unhealthy way. You know, I could look and see, all right, how many reviews does my new book have? I want to have a decent amount of reviews so people understand, you know, some social proof whether or not it's worth the time to read. And then I could look at another book and say, oh, well, look at this book here. This book has 10 times the amount of reviews that I have. Well, it's like that person's on a different journey than I'm on. They may have started at a different point or doors have opened for them that haven't opened for me. And and I can accept that. I don't have to be on the exact same journey as somebody else, but I think it takes time for our minds to get there. And so I can understand and appreciate Spencer's question because I think we all wrestle with that. But all that really does is make us feel miserable when we compare ourselves to other people. And we can end up failing to appreciate the part of the journey that we're presently on that we're supposed to notice and be grateful for.
0: Yeah, I comparison is definitely a, a sick game to play. And yeah, but we do it and it's hard. And that's why I think dwelling on these things, what God speaks to us and how he thinks of us is what we need to do. Totally. Um, yeah. Another question I'd like to ask you from Charlene. And Charlene basically just said, also a newer realtor said, I'm just starting out. So I'm nervous about income until my first check, trying not to stress out. Now, this was interesting to me because what would you say to someone new in real estate or whatever career from the experience you've had in 20 plus years as a pastor and the things you've built? What have you kind of learned that has helped you kind of keep on keeping on? There's a variety
1: of things. And I'll mention to your listeners, one of the, my specific roles in pastoral ministry has been church planting. So there are seasons when you're starting a church there's no guaranteed income because there's no congregation yet. And a church is supported by the people that become members of it, you know, and and generously supported through their giving. Well, before you have that giving set up or or any sort of budget, somebody has to take the risk to stick their neck out there and get this whole thing started. And so that's something I felt like was one of the things that I was called to do. But that meant there were seasons where there's no paycheck because there's no, no budget to pay you from. So a few things I approached it a few different ways. One, I think it's useful for almost anybody to have m- multiple streams of income. And so, you know, if Charlene might want to think about that. And I'm not just talking about trading hours for dollars constantly, right? Because you only have so many hours in your day. But there are a variety of ways that you could set up multiple streams of income. So over time, what I've done is I've started creating courses. I've started, uh, well, I write books. I lead webinars. I have hosted online memberships. I have a patreon that goes along with the website that I facilitate. And there's a whole bunch of I have a YouTube channel. I use Amazon affiliates. Um, I do voiceover work, all of that. And so it's helpful to have those things, and I'll tell you, the books and the voiceover help supplement my salary during seasons when I wasn't able to actually pull a salary from that. So I do think it's helpful to have contingency plans and multiple streams of income. But then the other thing is, somebody's got to take a step of faith somewhere. And every entrepreneur that gets ahead went through those lean seasons where you just said, you know, I'm just going to take a risk on myself right now. And so anything that gets built, it gets built one brick at a time. And so she may be early in this process, but I think if you stick with it long enough, specifically if this is your calling, if this is what you've been designed to do and, and you've been made good at this, I think before you know it, you're going to see that it's sustainable. And so, yeah, make those contingency plans, do what you need to do, develop multiple streams if it feels possible for you, which I do think it is possible, just get a little creative with some passive sources of income. But at this point, you know, keep betting on yourself and I think before you know it you'll you'll get that momentum.
0: That's awesome. And it's so, you know, I when you say that, I hear so much of what Vincent Pugliese has taught us in TLF. Like I remember him saying, oh, you could do a podcast. You could do this. And me thinking like, no, I can't. I can just sell houses. But I have so many gifts that was like untapped potential that until I went down that route, I had absolutely no idea. And I love what you're saying about like building something. You know, one of the episodes I just worked on for the podcast was the Why Not Me episode. You had said like, well, why not me? You had kind of talked about uh, there's always a reason to talk yourself out of it. And so I'm excited to, you know, share in that episode what what you kind of taught me about, Hey, why, why not me? Like, um, and and how that's helped you in your career. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's awesome. One last question is from Brittany and Brittany said, now it's a a little different because it's real estate, but basically Brittany says like, how do you get people to commit to working with you? They, she had felt like she's had bad luck and that again, other people are doing the comparison game. But I think the part I want to focus on is just like, how do you get good people to work with you? And so how have you found whether it's a podcast interview and how you're learning to say no or, you know, with the book, you had to pick a publisher and all that. How do you kind of decide the people that you want to work with and the people that you shouldn't work with?
1: Well, the way I interpret and tell me if I'm interpreting her question incorrectly. But when she's talking about the is she she's looking for trying to attract people to
0: work with her. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, basically leads, yes. Leads that are coming in and maybe the answer is just, hey, stop doubting yourself. But yeah, maybe you can kind of talk about how you would handle that in a sales role. The honest thing that came to my
1: mind when she said that, and what I definitely do in my lane here is focus not so much on what you hope to get from them, focus on how you expect to serve them. So it's the idea of what value are you offering them? And I think that's very attractive. I think that that's magnetic when somebody is that focused on what your needs are. One of the things you've mentioned are are mastermind calls. One of the things that I appreciate most about those calls and um, Vincent, as he leads those, is there's just a spirit of generosity that he's woven into those conversations. And so you have people, I mean, we're just on a call for a couple hours this morning and the call wasn't, so much of us trying to consume anything. It was mainly you spend most of your time on those calls trying to figure out something that will help somebody else. And that's a good spot for us to kind of land with some of these things. And so in Brittany's case, you know, she's trying to make herself almost just magnetic as she's uh, leading in, in real estate and as she's trying to build a client base. If she keeps focusing on the value that she brings to somebody else, that's very attractive. That's magnetic. That's the type of thing that I think other people will say, yeah, this person focused on my needs. It wasn't that she was overly focused on the commission she might receive for selling a property. She was focused on how can I make this a pleasurable experience for you? How can I relieve stress? You do this once every, you know, 20 years. I do this every week, you know? And so for me, this is second hat. For you, you're more nervous than I am. And so how can I handle this and make this an easier transaction for you? And how can I anticipate certain things for you? And how can I communicate with you all along the way? Because with real estate, like most things, the people that that get involved and become your future leads are probably going to come largely from referrals. So if you over-serve and over-deliver for somebody else and make it such a wonderful experience all along the way, what you're going to end up discovering is that pipeline gets built and word of mouth is going to spread. And your referral base is going to grow because you focused on what value you could bring to somebody else, not what value you hope to get from them.
0: I love that, man. I love the, you know, talk about the generosity in TLF. TLF, you know, is definitely a community of, you know, 100 people that just love and care about each other and serve each other. And it's something like I think I know I've never been a part of and I'm sure for you, it's kind of been like, wow, this is different.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something I have personally benefited from. But again, the mindset is not so much what we get from each other. We're trying to help each other, but it creates a culture. And I think you could totally replicate that in real estate. I think it'd be replicated in anything. You're just trying to seek what is beneficial to somebody else. That's the essence of love, too. You know, I preach Mm -hmm. and speak a lot about love. You know, love is is where you're you're looking out for somebody else's best interest. You're doing what is beneficial to somebody else, even at great personal cost to yourself. You know, I mean, it's the essence to my faith in Jesus Christ. The fact that I look at Him and I, I realize He did what was to my benefit, even at great personal cost to Himself. You know, that's what love looks like. That's what showing value looks like. I think that that directly applies to real estate and any lane that any of us might find ourselves in. If we're trying to do what is beneficial to somebody else, even at great personal cost to ourselves, I think that that communicates a lot. And I think that if you're trying to build a referral base and attract new clients, I think that goes a a long way to
0: um, making that happen. Yeah, that's man, that's it's so true, those referrals. And again, it's just it's not about a paycheck. It's about caring about people. And that's how that business comes because people, you know, I've learned over my past few years in real estate, people can see it when you're a salesy, when you're that used car salesman, people see through that and are like, well, I don't want to work with them. So I love that. I mean, again, love that you're talking about just loving and caring about people. As we kind of close out, I would love to just hear. Wow, I'm just going to say love 50 times in the next (laughs) week. What has been the most fun part of the book writing and the launch and everything you've kind of been going through over the last month? So it was really fun to
1: write the book and communicate some of these things that have been really strongly impressed upon my heart. But over the past month, now that the book is out, I mean, it's pretty exciting to be able to go into just about any bookstore. And uh, I go to the shelves and there's my book. I mean, that's a new experience for me. And even though I've written many books, this is the book that has experienced the widest distribution. You know, it's, it's enjoyable to walk into a store, sign copies, meet with people and really have fun with that. So I really like that. But I have to also say even more fun than that is the feedback I've been getting from people saying that they're finding it genuinely helpful. I didn't write something with the thought that it just take up space on a shelf or be a book of theory that was hard to put into practice. I wrote something with the intention that it actually encourage hearts and that people would be able to look at it and say, all right, this is something that was actually practical to read. And because the feedback I'm getting from people is that they're finding it useful, then that encourages me and already has my wheels churning on, on future things that I'd like to write down. And so, yeah, I I would say even above all the rest, knowing that it's been helpful to other people is something that really is inspiring and encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's been so fun. I said the last month, but I know you've been writing for much longer than that. It's been fun to kind of watch you write the book, be a part of that, see you get excited about it walk into Barnes and Noble and watch you sign the copies. That was awesome. Um, And so, yeah, hey, every answer you give is a perfect segue to the next question. And so you just kind of talked about what you're going to do next. And so just my last question for you today is where can people find out more about you and what you're building next?
1: The easiest way to keep up with what I'm doing is to go to desirejesus.com. And on the website, people could find the podcast, they could find the books, they could find the things that I'm speaking on. They could also find uh, different media appearances and things like that if they want to check any of those things out. But desirejesus.com has all of that. And uh, if people want to reach out to me on there, there's a contact link on there as well. And I'm always happy to connect and uh, have the opportunity to meet with new people. I, I find it, I'm an extrovert. So I find that sort of stuff fun. I like meeting new people. John,
0: that's awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you all will check out what John is doing at desirejesus.com. Check out the book, Dwell on These Things. It's amazing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. And if they don't have it at your local bookstore, tell them to order you some copies and get some for the shelf. John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all your encouragement and your friendship. And thank you for you know what you're doing and building through this book. I think the book is absolutely amazing. And We all in the entrepreneurial world and even in our faith need to talk to ourselves the way God talks to us, you know, stop listening to the bad news and hear the good news and hear, you know, what Jesus and what God are telling us and speaking over us. And so thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. You as well. Thanks again. Guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I know this episode was a little longer because it was my interview with John Stange, the author of Dwell on These Things. But thank you so much for sticking with me and listening to this i so appreciate you guys listening to this and i really hope that it was helpful to you i know that this interview was super helpful to me and beneficial to me and i was so thankful to john Stonge for being willing to share time with me on that interview as we close out this episode i want to share with you a couple of my key takeaways from my interview with john stongy the first key takeaway from my interview was what he was talking about about boundaries you know john talked about how if something was on his calendar it would happen and he also talked about that by saying yes to some things he was saying no to other things and man this has been an amazing lesson that i've been applying since the interview in my business and that i've really been processing not only in my business but in my life what are the important things in my life what do i want to get on my calendar What am I then saying no to when I put something on my calendar? And this has been absolutely awesome for me to process through and think about with my family and my business. There are certain things that I will say no to because it does not fit my mission and my values and what is important to me. And so I hope that that is helpful to you as well. One of the other amazing lessons that I really took out of this interview was that I really need to believe in myself. And again, like I talked about in the interview, talk to myself the way that God talks to me. And so I hope that this was helpful for you as well. And I hope that this episode helped you really have that confidence and believe in yourself and think about yourself and talk to yourself the way that God speaks about and thinks about you. And so I was so excited to share this with you. I really hope that this interview was helpful to you and can help you not only in your business, but in your personal lives as well. Again, thank you so much for listening to this. And I do want to let you guys know that I was so excited about this interview that I actually am giving away five autographed copies of John Stongy's book, Dwell on These Things. And I'm giving those out to you guys for free. If you got something out of this episode, please message me, Tell me what you got out of it. Tell me what was helpful for you. And please let me know that you would like a free copy of John Stongy's book, Dwell on These Things. Again, I have five autographed copies that I am giving away to my podcast listeners. So thank you for being a loyal listener and for listening to this episode. It was a pleasure to bring this interview to you. And with that, I will see you guys on our next episode.